You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and these are Brendan Hodges' interviews with the director and co-writer for the Academy Award-nominated Perfect Days, Vim Vendors, and the film's star, Cannes Best Actor winner, Koji Yakusho. So thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, congratulations on the movie. It's really beautiful. And I wanted to start with kind of a big question. We're living in a time, I think, when it's increasingly difficult for people, I think especially young people, to kind of find meaning and efficacy in their careers, you know, what they do for a living. And Perfect Days is about a movie who finds pleasure and joy in the kind of unglamorous task of scrubbing toilets. There's something aspirational about that, I think. Um, what drew you to want to kind of make a film about finding that sense of purpose and happiness in daily life? If I would tell you in one line, I'd betray the movie. <laughs> because, I mean, the prospect seems a little irritating. A movie about a toilet cleaner? Yes. Do I want to see that? I don't know. But then again, it's not just a regular toilet cleaner. He has a few tricks, this guy, and he is very special. He's happy for once. He likes people. He likes treats. He likes his job. He likes to tries to do it as good as possible. He has a routine. He's living alone, but he's not lonely. He has a lot going. And uh, in the end, you realize... What is he? Maybe he's a monk. <laughs> he's kind of special. And the more you watch him, the more you realize, wow, there's something I can learn from this guy. He knows how to live. He's not talkative. I mean, he's not going to give anybody of any of us a lecture. I already talk too much right now because it's not a talkative film. It's a film about being in the here and now and finding pleasure in that and reducing the stuff you have that's one of the things here yama knows how to do he knows how to live with little but be very happy with that little yeah yeah and obviously the film has very little dialogue and we learn almost everything about hiriyama through process and behavior you know we watch the as he listens to music as he reads books as he cleans he seems to be very knowledgeable and intelligent as as you say he has a few tricks He's he's found this kind of solace, and yet he has this really generous simplicity to him. He almost reminded me of like Prince Mishkin and Dostoevsky's The Idiot. Um, just this really giving character. His first line of dialogue in the movie, I think, is him checking in on that lost boy in in the toilet. You know, could you maybe talk about where this character came from for you? The character's name, Yariyama is from a movie from the late 40s from by Yasuhiro Uzu called Journey to Tokyo. And that hero's name is Hirayama. Mm -hmm. And that tells a little bit about Hirayama. He's a Japanese man. He is a man in this, in the tradition of the movies by Japanese director Yasuhiro Uzu. 
He's a man in the tradition of service and of of being of service and of being content with what he has. He's an amazing character. He's a beautiful man. And once you get to know him, you he almost hypnotically pulls you into his realm. And his realm is quite unique and it's a, actually quite healing. Because you answered in the beginning, you asked the question in the beginning, why would anybody want to see a movie about a toilet cleaner? Yeah. He can give you something. Yeah, it, it is very, as I say, aspirational. I mean, I, I envied the joy he seemed to have in life doing these kind of banal tasks. Um, but I wanted to ask, he is just watching him do these things. It is hypnotic. And yet, obviously... There's so little dialogue. And I'm wondering, how does that affect what you're doing visually to keep us interested, to keep us engaged with your camera? It does have that very documentary-like style. It reminded me almost more of how you directed your documentaries and some of your narrative features. Could you maybe talk about your approach to visualizing it? Well, you want to want me to tell about my secrets. <laughs> so... You're totally right. We did shoot it a little bit like you'd shoot a documentary. As this is a man who is in total reduction and who has reduced his possessions to a minimum, he only has what he needs. He has a futon to live on and tatamis in his room and his cassette recorder and cassettes and his book collection and a little table on which he raises his plants. That's all there is. That's all he has. And as we made a a movie about a man who masters the art of reduction, we felt we should make a film like that as well. So we we scratched any dollies and tracks and gimbals and steadicam and cranes and any fancy equipment from our list and made the movie also with very simple equipment, which is basically a man holding a camera. So we shot the whole film handheld and it was actually shot like it was a documentary and because our actor Koji Akusho so much became that character it felt we were making a film a man a film about a man who was really this act character Hirayama and he was really living this life of reduction and happiness and because we had somebody in front of us who really became that guy so we followed him like you do a documentary, although his character is completely fictional. Yes. Yeah. And is that sort of mastery of the art of reduction and you wanting to try to do that visually, is that the reasoning behind why you did the 133 Academy ratio? Well, there's another reason for that, simply because these toilets are so small. So if you would shoot it in large screen or let alone cinema scope, you'd never see the floor. Right. It frames the body really well in those tight spaces. Yes. And it's a beautiful, very human um, frame. And it resembles a lot of paintings that I like. A lot of paintings are in that format. And it's great for the human body. And you see the roof and the ceiling of his apartment. And when he unrolls his futon, you actually see the floor. So the reason for the old format, the old three to four format, is because it's so natural for his life and his surroundings. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I want to ask, I mean, over your you know amazing career, you've given life 
and a sense of location to so many cities and settings. You know, Germany before the wall fell, New York City, the southern U.S., and now Tokyo, two different times. You turn architecture and space almost as much as a character as the actual characters played by your actors. Um, I think that, you know, Perfect Days might be one of the all-time great Tokyo films. We we see a side of Tokyo rarely seen. On, um, I'm just wondering, what is it like that draws you to filming cities and architecture in that special way? Well, I love cities. I must say I'm a city junkie. And I have my favorite cities all over the world. And Tokyo is among them. And I was really homesick for Tokyo because I hadn't been there for eight or nine years, even when I got this letter of invitation to come and look at these, this amazing work by these 15 architects and their little tiny creations, toilets, even if normally they built banks and museums. Now they built something very little. And for me, that was a beautiful open invitation. And that's why I came to Tokyo in the first place. And then out of the idea of looking at these artworks, these art spaces, and this social context in the social context, because these are toilets, public toilets. So out of this came the idea for a fictional character that would take care of these stories. So because I don't know, I do love cities so much. And I do love storytelling. And I always believe that the best stories come out of a certain place. In all my movies, place was first and then story came out of it and wanted to be told in that place and i love movies where i feel that the story takes place necessarily in there in that city in that place or in that desert or in that nature if the story and the character and the uh, and the place are one i love that and that's the source of my filmmaking has always been the source of my filmmaking to tell a story that could not happen anywhere else than in the American West, and it became Paris, Texas, or Perfect Days, and it could only have been made in Tokyo. Of course, and I'd like to ask more specifically just about the location scouting on Perfect Days, because so many individual moments or even specific shots looking over the city, you know, bridges, water, parks, it all feels so thoughtfully and carefully chosen. As you say, these spaces seem to blend with the storytelling and the characters in this kind of perfect way. And as I said, it's a side of Tokyo we don't often see. So how did you go about finding all of these perfect little spots to film your film? Well, some some of these spots I've photographed before because I'm also a photographer and I've always dreamt of being able to use the place, this place or that place in the movie. I like the freeways in Tokyo, the three-story freeways, are still a little bit of science fiction, even if they're built at the end of the 60s. I still don't know any other city expect, except in China with this sort of multi-floor um, highway system. And it's still a city like no other. There's living areas, there's old little village-like areas right next to shopping centers and high-tech, high-rises, and it's all mixed together. Unlike any other city I know, it's a huge amalgam of yesterday and tomorrow, and it's all in the present, and it's quite an amazing city. I, frankly, I just love it. And it was a great pleasure to finally be able to shoot there and 
and remember all the places that I like and the point of views I like and I love these freeways and I like driving through the city and luckily Hirayama drives every morning to work and every evening he drives home so there's a little edge of a road movie in the film as well and and I love that little neighborhood in which he lives which is one of the last remaining old neighborhoods with old wooden houses in another 10 or 20 years won't exist anymore so Tokyo is a city that's constantly changing and like this when I came now this time in order to look at the toilets there was this new tower I'd never seen and I said what is this and it was called the sky tree it was just built a few years ago and it just hovering over these old area that I like so much and knew from before so that's became a key location this is where our man Yarayama lives in the shadow of the sky tree yeah of course um and I want to ask you know your career is likewise full of people who are outsiders you know who watch and observe others they're voyeurs and your, your films invite us into that kind of happy voyeurism uh they're great people watching movies you know uh and that comes back full force in perfect days, whether it's the people um, in the park or the bathhouse or the different restaurants, what is it about observers and being an observer yourself that pulls you towards making movies about that? Well, our eyes are the most fantastic instruments we have and how, how our eyes interact with our feelings and our identity and how that again makes us interact with other people and with nature and with trees and with cities. So looking and watching is one of the key things of any human being. And luckily cinema was invented. If it wasn't invented, I would invent it myself because I would need it for my life. This sort of strange mixture of seeing and showing to others what you've seen. And that's what cinema is all about. You see something and you're able to work it into a story and show it to others. And it's an act, it's a beautiful act of communication. And in this case, we start seeing the world through the eyes of Hirayama, through the eyes of a monk-like, crafts-like, craftsman-like actor. Because in the end, Hirayama is living in the now and here, and he does do what every good actor tries to do with everything they do in every scene he tries to do it like it was the first or the last time he could do this and that's how he lives here every moment is the first and last and and that is intoxicating you can that rubs off and the more you learn to see the city and life through the eyes of Hirayama, the more it opens your own eyes and that's what movies do and that's what the act of seeing and filmmaking does in the end it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land you know what they say your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, for sure. And I wanted to ask also, I mean, 
in Japan, there's that sort of uh, epidemic of social withdrawal. Um, I think hikikomori, it's called um, social isolation, especially amongst older people. Um, and as we say, your, your career is about outsiders, people who are on the fringes. And yet, it, it, in the film, it almost seems like uh, Hiriyama's family thinks that is him. He is one of those people who are too withdrawn. He is one of those people who are isolated and need to be brought back to the to the world. And yet, as we've talked about, he does have that contentness to him. He he's found a way of life for him. As you as that, that line in the film, there's so many different worlds, and some connect and some don't. Um, could you maybe talk about that a little bit? Just how he fits into that sort of social situation in Japan. Well, his sister. When she comes to pick up her daughter, the niece of our man Hirayama, who's run away from her mom to spend time with her uncle, because that's the only refuge she knew in the world, and her uncle takes her in. And so when her mother comes back, Hirayama's sister, we realize she's from a different background. She comes in a fancy big limousine, and we realize that's the world Hirayama also came from. And when she looks around and asks him softly, are you really cleaning toilets? Because she can't quite believe that her brother is doing it on his own free will. And he just doesn't say anything. He just smiles and tries to convey with his face that, yes, actually, he likes it. And he lives a good life. And she doesn't have to worry at him. And then you realize as a, as a viewer, the only person to worry about is the sister and her limousine and the little, her, his niece, Nico, when she's back in the car and the chauffeur drives them away, that's a prison. And he, our man Hirayama, he does live in liberty and he knows it and he knows he's at a good place. And that is the question the film Puts to everybody. The more you, the more you look through the eyes of Hirayama, the more you ask yourself, "Hey, am I in a good place?" Yeah, yeah. And I only have time for one more question, but I had to ask about your working relationship with uh, Koji Yakusho because his performance is totally transcendent. And you know, I'm just wondering what was it like to direct and write such you know a restrained, carefully modulated an often silent performance, you know? There is a thing that you have to learn in front of a great actor. You have to learn that sometimes you can only ruin it as a director. And so you have your main job is to really place him in the shot and to give to give him security and to, to make sure that the storing itself is fine and the rhythm is fine. And it's so important where the camera is. So you have to respond to his acting and frame him well so his acting can shine. And that's what we did with Franz Madiopi and me. We tried to make his acting shine as good as possible. And eventually we had the, let me say, modesty to realize that Whenever we did rehearse, what he showed us was superb, and then we shot it, and I wish I had done the shot the rehearsal. So 
we finally asked him after a few days of shooting, would you allow us to shoot rehearsal? And he was a little amazed. He had never done that before. He said, yes, you can give it a try. And we shot the rehearsal. And each time, almost each time, we didn't have to do more because it was everything we had hoped for. So sometimes as a director, you have to be modest enough to let the actor shine and do your best to place him and your language, the close-ups, the white shots, whatever you do to, to place him is equivalent to his acting, to make it come out as good as you could. And I think we were able to make his acting shine. And so he is the movie. Hiriyama is the film. And the fact that in Cannes, Hiriyama won Best Actor was the most beautiful thing that could happen to a movie because that is the movie. That is what the film is all about. He understood the existence of this man and he deeply went into it and he takes you by the hand as a, as a viewer and leads you into his life in which he is happy and content and tells you a great lesson that you can also realize in your own life. You can try to live with less and you can try to be a master of your time. See, he doesn't watch television. He's not connected to the internet. And maybe that's romantic, but he gets a lot out of it. Yeah. Well, Wim, thank you so much for your time. Hopefully we could all learn to be masters of our time as we watch Perfect Days. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Take good care. Bye. Kondo wa kondo. Ima wa ima. Ima wa ima. All right, so I'll just dive in. And uh, Koji, thank you so much for your time today. And congratulations on the movie. Your performance is wonderful. I was deeply, deeply moved by it. And I'm wondering, for my first question, what was your preparation process like for the role? Because so much of this performance obviously is without dialogue. We're simply watching what you do day to day. How does playing a mostly silent character kind of affect that process of preparation and what you're doing as an actor. So, first off, thanks for your kind words on the film. Um, you're right that this character uh, speaks very few words, so I thought pretty deeply about um, what my role really was in the film. Um, for starters, I uh, met with one of the toilet cleaners from the Tokyo Toilet Project and spent two days learning how to clean the toilets. And um, I was also conveyed you know, how to act when someone comes in to use the toilet if I'm already cleaning the toilet and what sort of uh, distance to maintain, you know, uh, during that situation. And um, uh, what it feel. I was also, I also learned what it feels like to, um, for these toilet cleaners to arrive and see that one of the toilets was, was totally really dirty when they opened the door or um, that sort of thing. So um, that was something that I did to prepare. And then I also always felt that I wanted audiences around the world to wonder if an actual toilet cleaner was cast for this film. So that was kind of something I kept in mind throughout the process. 
Yeah, it very much looked as though you were an expert. Obviously, the character has all these little gadgets and trinkets that allow him to be kind of this genius guru toilet cleaner. Um, and I know that the role I had, I had read was written with you in mind and then kind of evolved during the collaboration with Wim Wenders. And I'm wondering what that process was like, because so much of this role, as we have talked about, is silent. And yet the character's journey is all about what he does, especially his facial expressions, when he smiles, when he frowns, when he looks peaceful, when he looks upset. What was it like just creating that character with him and knowing when to do exactly what to do with the character? yeah, so in the script, um, there was no expression of Hirayama smiling or getting angry or anything like that at all. So I thought that was just his character. But Vim, um, when we were going out and uh, when we were filming, uh, said, you know, for instance, when Hirayama goes out every morning and looks at the sun, um, in the script it said he takes a deep breath, but uh, Vim asked me to add a smile to that. And that was different from what I expected, you know. Um, so he wasn't devoid of expression, like a training monk, let's say. But um, he was more of a relatable human character because of those moments, I think. Yeah. And while we were filming, we basically stopped doing rehearsals. It just became going straight into filming takes. And so it was really a process of me living as Hirayama and the cameraman, France, uh, would just follow me around. So it was almost like filming a documentary. Yeah, the movie has a very observational visual style that reminded me a lot of Wonder's documentary films. It seemed to me that there was kind of a combination of those two ideas. I want to ask now about the opposite of what we've been talking about so far. It, there's a few moments in the film, especially as it goes on, where he does speak. He does have bits of dialogue. Because it's so sparse, how does that change how you want to speak those lines? Because they each have a different meaning for the audience because we hear so few of them. Like, how did you conceptualize how he should sound, how he should speak, what we should learn from him as he speaks, things like that? So I didn't really consciously think about how to speak necessarily. Um, my main concern was just to not feel like an actor um, in a film. And so I wanted, to wanted him to really feel like an actual toilet cleaner. Um, so I thought a lot about how to do that. Yeah, that makes sense. And because of that, I think I often found myself just really mesmerized and even joyful 
watching Hirayama perform these day-to-day tasks, even listening to music, going to the bath, cleaning the toilets, enjoying his noodles. They all had a kind of beauty to them that I was almost hypnotic to me. And a lot of that, I think, is because of how Wonder shot it. But equally, it's because it, you do play it in the moment. You, you don't play it, as, as you say, as an actor. I'm wondering what your experience was like reading the screenplay because so much of what I just described is visual and what you yourself brought to it. So reading the screenplay and thinking about the character, what was that kind of experience like for you? So so I'm not sure why, but when I first read the script, I just had this instinct that uh, this could be a really beautiful film. Um, I also did wonder, you know, just following one man's life, um, how is this film going to turn out? There's this... Um, visual of the sun and the trees blowing in the wind and these very simple things that uh, that were documented and um, it was a surprise to me to see that just showing some of these basic things can actually create a film and when I turned myself into an audience member uh, I was surprised about that as well. Yeah okay and I want to ask you know watching Perfect Days I thought a lot about this social issue of social isolation, social withdrawal and loneliness that's been happening in Japan more and more over recent years. And Hiriyama seems on the surface to fit that uh, mold, but he obviously also seems really happy and content in a way I found really aspirational. I think many people would hope they could be as content as he seems to be. My question is just how did you see him, you know, just as a person and as a character? あれ it is an, a you know societal um, issue right now that there are many elders who sort of uh, who pass away alone in isolation essentially in Japan and this problem. But I don't feel that Hirayama is one to die uh, a lonely death. I think um, every day he is really satisfied. He takes a bath after his day, he reads a book, and he goes to sleep feeling extremely satisfied. And I really envied that personally. Um, he would observe the, the great nature around him, including the wind blowing through trees and the sun and the komorebi that comes from the combination. And um, he just lives with this immense gratitude. Um, and I think that kind of internal gratitude is the richest um, way that someone can live. Wow, what a perfect way to end the interview. Um, I also envied him, and I also hope I could have that immense gratitude towards daily life. 
day by day. Thank you so much for your time, Koji. It's been a wonderful conversation talking to you. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Brendan and Hodges' interviews with the director and co-writer for the Academy Award-nominated film Perfect Days, Vim Vendors, and the film star Koji Yakusho here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Perfect Days is now currently playing in theaters from Neon and is up for your consideration for Best International Feature Film from Japan at this year's Academy Awards. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.